0: A woohooer! a hand clap a high-fiver. I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW group. or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions
1: 18+. What does it mean to be locally owned and operated? For Senex, it means everything. It means that we know if you take your coffee to go or if you like to stay a while. It means we've helped little leagues get jerseys and local festivals get funding. It means we know what our communities need. So you'll always leave Senex with a full tank, full of snacks or full of smiles, or all of the above. And that means the world to us. Senex, powered locally.
2: All right, and welcome back into a Monday no-huddle edition of another Carolina podcast, uh, getting it kicked off again this week. Apologize for not having a no-huddle edition last week. Uh, that was completely on me and my stomach virus, but back uh, doing well this week and uh, joined now. Of course, I'm Wes Mitchell, joined with Chris Clark and discussing the Gamecocks' 24-7 to win over Vanderbilt on Saturday night at Williams-Price Stadium. Um, a little bit of a weird game, Chris. Uh, you know, statistically, I, I thought South Carolina, for the most part, dominated the flow of the game. Uh, you look at the sort of yards per play, just the way the game progressed. It uh, seemed like South Carolina controlled the line of scrimmage and, you know, had way more big plays than Vanderbilt. But uh, due to some issues, I, I would say, with penalties, some issues in short yardage, and some issues, uh, you know, fumbling the football inside the 20 in one of their early drives, uh Really just couldn't put Vanderbilt away early on. Finally did put them away in the second half and uh, gets a 24-7 to win. Uh, maybe not the prettiest win in the world, but um, ultimately a, a win that if you're South Carolina you'll take and uh, move on to the next week.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, you, you, if you're South Carolina you want to be talking about a win rather than a loss, right? I mean, that's, that's always the case. Um, you don't want to split hairs with it too badly, especially when this is a season that has not gone – according to plan, you know, with the exception of, you know, showing well against Alabama, beating Georgia. I mean, there's there's losses on the ledger right now to North Carolina and a close loss, a 20-point loss to Tennessee, a, a loss to Missouri that sometimes bordered on the bizarre in terms of what happened in the game, another road loss that's, you know, a multi-score game. So right now you you take a win, Um and you take away some positives and some negatives from the performance overall, some things that South Carolina certainly got has to get cleaned up that we will – I know we'll cover those. I know we'll cover the positives and negatives. But overall, you know, it's a win, and it's uh, a fairly convincing win overall. There were certainly moments in the game that um, I think led to some trepidation on the part of the fan base or even the media for, you know, for, for good reason. But it was a win and one that, like you said, Wes, it was after – after South Carolina was able to, yeah, I mean, you you look
2: at the stats in this game, Chris. Uh, first downs, uh, twenty-five to twelve, South Carolina's favor. Third down efficiency, nine for fifteen for the Gamecocks. Just three of twelve for Vanderbilt. Total yards, four hundred and forty to one eighty-nine. Uh, you look at passing yards, two hundred and thirty-five for South Carolina, just seventy-six. For Vanderbilt, they were just 11 of 21 in the passing game. Obviously, they had some some quarterback issues that were beyond their control. Uh, 205 rushing yards for Carolina, 113 for Vandy. And um, then I, I think you look at the turnovers. And just one for South Carolina, um, two for Vanderbilt. And uh, South Carolina obviously wins the time of possession, almost 34 Minutes for them and uh, 26 minutes for Vanderbilt, uh, the, the big thing being eleven turnover or excuse me eleven penalties for South Carolina for 94 yards, and then just two penalties for 20 yards for Vanderbilt. So really, as far as going up and down the field, South Carolina dominated this football game. Uh, like I said, some of the penalties, uh, the, the one costly turnover for South Carolina was big in that it took away a scoring opportunity. Um, you know, South Carolina, as I said, struggled in some short yardage that kept them from finishing off drives. But, um, you know, I, I thought for the most part South Carolina had this game in hand. Um, you know, they didn't really turn the football over other than the one early one. You know, second half turnovers has been a big topic of discussion. They protected the football. I really don't, you know, sort of going through the game in my head right now, I don't remember the ball really being in danger much at all as far as Ryan Helensky goes, uh, you know, in the passing game. So, overall, I mean, I I know a lot of people are saying it wasn't a pretty win, and, I, you know, I guess I agree with that. But I actually left thinking there, you know, there were some some real positives to take away from this game as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, look, you you don't want beating Vanderbilt to be (laughs) – you know, a huge accomplishment with where this program wants to be, okay? But, again, this is a team that's had a disappointing season. At this point, it's just about getting as many wins as you can, trying to make that bowl game, trying to finish out the season as strong as possible. And they did it, again, were, were there some things during the game, you know, the, the first drive defensively, the short yardage situations, you know, the the penalties, the turnover for South Carolina, the, you know, the fumble by Denson. Yeah, those are things that were not great, but this is still a convincing win. You know, once – again, like I said, once they got on track, it wasn't as if the game was in danger. Once they were able to sort of finally pull away there, um, you got the feeling that they were sort of controlling the game after that first defensive drive um, and that they would do enough offensively, and they did. So, that said, I mean, the SEC East, um, after the the top, you know, couple teams – has really been open. I mean, it's been wide open. It's been weird, really. You look at how Tennessee has turned around its year. They're a much better football team now. You look at how Missouri has been really, really up and down. Vanderbilt beats this Missouri team, you know, again, with quarterback questions in this game. That's been another storyline as well. South Carolina's fortunate, fortunate that Riley Neal went out after that first series. I mean, maybe so, probably so, but Um, You know, they're missing Mo Hassan, who'd come on in that Missouri game. They're missing Kalijah Lipscomb. They haven't gotten the ball all year for some reason to their really good tight end, Jared Pinkney. All those things are fortunate for South Carolina, but they also are, you know, playing without their starting running back. They lost Tavian Feaster during the game a couple times because he was banged up. You know, they had the turnover early. They lost Josh Van. They lost Nick Muse. You know, Shy Smith didn't play. So this was still a game where they battled a little bit of adversity, too. And, um, you know, they were able to overcome it. I, I thought Ryan Holinsky played extremely well. Again, it's been, I, I guess, just a huge coincidence, West, that when Ryan Holinsky's healthy, he looks really good. Um, <laughs> you know, I guess that's just a complete coincidence. But he, he got the ball out quickly. Like you said, ball's not really ever in danger. I remember there was one early throw to Nick Muse that he – underthrew just a bit, ended up getting broken up. But he got the ball out quickly, used his arm angles to get the ball out on some of those shorter passes that had a couple failures in the short yardage situations. But overall, there's a lot to like. Brian Edwards is a warrior. I mean, that was one of the best single receiver performances that I've seen. And you look at what they did. Are are we going to talk a little bit about sort of breaking down the offense? And I I need to maybe shut up so we can – break that yeah, yeah. down a little bit more further. Yeah. If we just go into that a little bit, sorta of maybe not job by job, but I did want to hit on that a little bit in terms of just what happened, what stalled them out, what got them on track.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll go into all that. I you know, I sort of as as we were watching, um you know, I, I sort of rewatching the game, put uh, you know, th- thumbs up, thumbs down beside a bunch of different things and I, I wrote down uh Thumbs up, uh, Ryan Helensky, thumbs up. Brian Edwards, thumbs up. Uh, young players overall, Fenwick Leggett, Kevin Harris, thumbs up. Um, offensive line play, for the most part, thumbs up. Uh, really no pressure from Vanderbilt in the passing game, which was a key coming in. Um, thumbs down penalties, thumbs down short yardage. Um, you, you know, I, and like you just said, man, I, I thought Helensky managed the game very, very well. The decision-making was good made some nice throws sort of off-platform, as you'd say. Where, And he, he's always been good at that, man. He's got a knack for, even if it's not maybe traditionally, well, we've talked about this before, traditionally perfect form as far as what you would teach as a quarterback coach, um, as far as his balance goes. He, he does a good job of, of being able to throw well without necessarily getting his feet completely set. And uh, the ball comes out with some zip. He did a good job on some of these RPOs, or at least what appeared to be RPOs, of getting them, making good decisions, getting the ball out quick, and putting it in the the right spot. So, um, you know, Ryan, I I think, displayed once again his immense upside and talent. Like you said, Brian Edwards continues to um, put his name in in Gamecock history, you would say. And uh, you know, just I I don't know if we've maybe given him enough credit just for how good he is. I, I think this year he's taken his game to another level um, you, you know let, let's go ahead and go into the offense then since uh, that's sort of on your mind I I thought um, offensive play calling was actually really good um, you know that there was one call that I hated it was an early third and one and they went back to the little um, I, I don't even know what you call it it's not necessarily a jet sweep it's not even the jet sweep pass they had it, I mean, it is a jet sweep pass, but it's it's at a little different angle sort of underneath the offensive line. If you remember the play I'm talking about, they had hit yep. Edwards for um, for a decent gain a couple of plays earlier. And then they went back to it on third and one, and I, I thought that was just a little bit too much of a cute play that invited penetration, invited – you know it, maybe that's a play that could go for a big play, but that's also a play that um, could get you a negative play on the third and one. Um, and that's what happened. He got hit a yard behind the the line, and South Carolina ended up having to punt on that drive, I believe. So, um, didn't really like that call. But some of the other stuff they did, I really, really liked. Um, from a general game plan standpoint, uh, they actually – they didn't hit any deep balls, but they had a few shots called um, that Vandy covered up pretty well, I thought. Um, but some of the underneath stuff, setting it up a little bit differently than they have in the past, uh, some of the quick uh, – sort of slip screens to Brian Edwards were really good. I, I loved the play down at the goal line um, in the first half when they brought Edwards in motion. and He looked like he was going to do, you know, they, they bring him in motion a lot these days. It looked like it was either going to be another jet sweep or an orbit motion. They motioned him into the backfield. And, you know, with him being the, fir- the player that's furthest to the left of the formation, and I believe Vandy and man coverage, Vandy's man followed him and started sort of getting into the trash of the, of the linebacking core. And, you know, when guys follow that receiver, they have to create more depth. Um, They have to get further away from the line of scrimmage um, in order to follow him in motion. So as soon as Edwards, you know, was going from left to right, they snapped the ball and Edwards pivots comes back left and they just flip the ball out to him on a little just flare pass, you know, a little flat pass. And, um, That went for a first down, almost a touchdown. I thought that was a beautiful wrinkle. And then they had this play, Chris, that they hit several times. Uh, One of them resulted in a Kyle Markway hold, which you texted me at the time and said, man, they are ticky-tack on Kyle Markway and only (laughs) Kyle Markway, it seems like. But um, you'll remember they hit this on several sort of long yard situations, which I thought it was a great adjustment for the fact that the offensive line has struggled you know, in pass protection when teams can pin their ears back. But it's actually um, a wide receiver shallow cross that turns into a screen. So, but, But in this situation, the wide receiver, for example, is lined up on the left side, and he runs just a regular shallow cross across the formation. But the key to this play is that, A, your receivers that are all to the right side of the field are all going down to the block. They're not even running routes. They're all going out to block. And then the other key is that the receiver has to get back behind the line of scrimmage because this play has to be completed behind the line of scrimmage or else it's going to be an offensive PI. Yep. Um, and they, they called this play, I think, uh, off the top of my head, three separate times. Um, it was successful all three times. One of them, like I said, got shot back because of the hold. But – um I thought this was a really good adjustment for for long yardage situations in the passing game, and um, Carolina executed it very well all three times. Attack hold, and there were just some – that they did a a little pin-and-pull RPO all out to Muse in the flat, the opposite direction of the pin-and-pull – that got a big gain. That was actually the play that he got hurt. Um, they had another where they had the pin and pull one direction, and they had a little Brian Edwards uh, slip screen to the other direction that worked well. Um, so you know, as much as the offense has been talked about this year and sort of uh, you know in, in a negative light, and people like to talk about play calling. Uh, that we we talked about some of the reasons these drives didn't finish. But I, I thought, as far as overall game planning, having some new stuff in. Um, the wrinkles were getting to carry on, joiner on the field a little bit. Um, I, I thought South Carolina actually had a. a you know, pretty knows crazy what game plan. What you are saying is game. going to
1: be sort of controversial, right? I mean, honestly, I mean, because you know, I had the same thought during the game. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The, I, I agree with you. That the biggest issue for me was the. Uh, it, it it was that that pass, you know, that little pop pass or whatever you want to call it. You know, I can understand it. It's not as if South Carolina had a ton of great success on the third and short, or even the fourth and short with Kevin Harris. I thought it was uh, the spot, maybe a little off there. Really hard to tell from the angle that we had. I thought live that Kevin Harris got it, but, um, you know, they called him short, and and that was another, you know, situation Mm -hmm. where you turn it over down there and you lose at least three points, maybe seven. Um, And and so maybe the thought there was, hey, we're not – maybe not blocking it up real well, or there have been some similar situations where we haven't blocked up real well. Maybe something they thought Vandy would do schematically to plug up the middle, so they try to go wide. Um, But I I didn't love that play call. But other than that, I I thought they did some good things. One of the criticisms I've seen is that, well, you know, Brian Edwards bailed them out. Well, yeah, that's what, you know, (laughs) there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, the best offensive teams, um, which South Carolina is not right now, but just as sort of an example, the best offensive teams in the country – what do they consistently do? They, they don't turn it over a ton, and they get the ball to their playmakers. And so Brian get Edwards the ball to their is playmakers. really the main one right now, you know, especially with, with Shia Smith out, who's been – you know, he's made some big plays. He hasn't been as consistent as I, as I think people have wanted. Uh, but he's made some big plays. You know, Rico Dowdle's out. Feaster's sort of in and out of the game. And Edwards has been a war daddy this year. I mean, every time he gets the ball – I mean, it's it's crazy. He's fighting through contact. He's getting yards after the catch. He can beat you deep, and so there, there's absolutely nothing wrong with going into a game and say we are going to design ways to get the ball to Brian Edwards in a variety of ways. And he did it a lot of different ways. I mean, they put him in motion. Uh, they gave him you know sort of jet sweep concepts. They gave him the deep ball that Helinsky checked into. Um, you know, they gave him some, some stuff over the middle that you've already sort of diagrammed out for the listeners. So to me. I think if you're if you're an offensive play caller and you know that for a variety of reasons including injuries, you know, the other team, it's not as if Vandy went into the game saying, "God, i, I just I wonder who South Carolina's going to try to get the ball to." Like it's just some big mystery. No, you know they're going to try to get it to Edwards. And mm-hmm. I think it shows some creativity to to get the ball to him in a variety of different ways. Now, has the, has has the offense been as good as it's needed to be this year? No, and I think there have been some rough games. Missouri's won. North Carolina was won. There's a lot of things that go into that. Um, but I didn't have as much of a problem. I, I thought that, you know, the execution in some of the third and shorts was lacking at times. Um, I thought, you know, the one play call, again, I, I wasn't a huge fan of. And, you know, they, of course, had the turnover, you know, missed on some other opportunities. They had some penalties that made it tough. I mean, you look at the first drive. Let's go. You know, first drive. Um, you know, now you could split hairs and say, well, they didn't have a good enough play call on first and second down. They shouldn't be in third and nine. Okay, you can say that. But the third and nine play they drew up was a good play call because it was a one on one and the guy was wide open. And Josh Fan dropped the pass. It was a first down. Next play, they mm-hmm. go sixty six yards and they fumbled at the nine yard line. Good drive. Pretty good play calling because you get down there. You know, I don't call a fumble a bad play call. You know, that's just my opinion. Uh, but, but I don't. The next drive, you know, it is the one where we talked about get the third and one and you go with the little pass concept to Brian Edwards on the little jet and they lose. So they have to punt. Okay. The next two drives are touchdowns to end the half. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you've got to punt on the next drive in the first, in the, uh, to start the second half, there are three different penalties on that drive. Now, two, one of them was just a delay of game to go punt the ball. Um, but you had the the weird play where Helensky caught the ball and then threw it again. You know, so they, get, they go from first and 10 to second and 24, already tough. You know, then you get a third and 18, they complete a pass, and that's holding. So then you're third and 22, right? You know, and then they run a draw and then they go punt. Um, your next drive mm-hmm. is is the one where <clears throat> you know you get the ball back, um, and you get second one. You try to throw the ball incomplete. If you want to, you know, talk about the play call there, I'm I'm all I'm all for it. You know, maybe you go run the ball there and pick up the first down, but then you get stuffed twice on third and one, fourth and one. You think you think when you have three, when you're at second one, a lot of offensive play cards will tell you, open up the playbook. I mean, you got, you got, you got a down. You got two downs and maybe three. Uh, absolutely, um, which is the is the route that South Carolina took. You know, they they said second one. Hey, let's take a little shot here in the passing game. Um, mm-hmm. If not, we got a down or maybe two to go get it, and they didn't. They didn't get it. So um, then you get a field goal, then you get a touchdown, and then it's basically, you know, it's pretty much the end of the game. You know, um, so you know, again, you, you look at it. They had one drive that was really, really hampered by two major penalties an illegal forward pass and a holding penalty. Um, you had one fumble, and you had one where you failed in short yardage. You know, this wasn't a game that had a hundred snaps. I think South Carolina took uh, what did we have in the inside the snap count? Eighty-one is that right? I think about eighty-one snaps. And defensively, they only took fifty-four. Yes. So you know, it was sort of a yeah. a shortened game from a snaps perspective um so yeah I thought you know f- first drive you had a drop you know you, you have one end and a drop you have one end in a fumble and you have two major penalties on the same drive that puts you in a third and you know very very long situation and so um th- to me the biggest takeaway from this football game was not the offensive play calling I think it was the penalties I think it was the short yardage failures I didn't have as much of a of a Issue with play calling in this particular game, um, I'm I'm on board with you, and I think you know people are going to get mad at us about that because they only scored 24 points, or they're going to project what happened in other games. But I think we're we're talking about this game. Um, I sort of like some of the things that they did, but they're going to have to clean it up a lot and be much better um, if they're going to have any chance of success these next three. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I, I liked
2: a lot of what they did. Um, I mean, I, you're talking about, um, a number of guys that, that are you're down to your third or fourth guys at some spots, you know, I don't know if we talked about it earlier in the show, but, uh, you know, Ja'Kai Moore starts at, at right tackle and you're at your third guy at right tackle. We talked about, you know, you're at your third and fourth running backs, you're missing shy Smith. Um, you know, you are limited on, on some of the stuff you can do there. And I I just thought the plan, and, and you know, I, I don't know if we've talked enough about um, as much as we sort of, you know, people have nitpicked the negative. Um, you know, if you look at this offense last year, uh, most of the time, Brian Edwards is, is lined up on one side of the field and Debo Samuel is lined up on the other. And, um, you know, especially when they're in three wide, you, you know, you, you had shy in the slot and, but, but those guys were on set sides of the field most of the time. And you look this year, South Carolina has made it, especially with Shy Smith out this past week, South Carolina made a concerted effort to move Brian Edwards around. Um, you know, he's lined up in the boundary by himself at times. He's lined up to the side where the trips are at. At times he's motioned a lot. We talked about some of the, the funky things they did with motion. He's motioned into the slot where you get him matched up with maybe maybe a nickel back as opposed to a number one corner, um, you know, I, you know, you talked about how some people sort of said, "Well, Brian Edwards bailed him out." I, you know, it, it, these weren't fifty 50-50 balls that Brian Edwards yeah. is just going up in coverage and and making a play. You know, these are these are plays designed to get Brian Edwards the ball in space. And um, then, to his credit, Brian Edwards did what you know what he was supposed to do. He also had a a really nice punt return that put South Carolina in good field position as well. Um, you know, I think we've got to give the special teams credit there. We've got to give the defense credit for creating two short fields, um, you know, for the offense as well. But, um, you know, they they went with the plan of, hey, this is the best receiver. You know, hey, Shai Smith is out. Get the ball to Brian Evers in a variety of ways. And, and it worked. And, uh, you know, I, I think as we go to some of these other guys that, that played well that are young players, uh, you know, you, do you look at some of these p f f grades, which I always sort of you know i i admittedly i think p f f is a great source for a lot of things, um particularly our snap count stuff um you know how many snaps did a guy play what how how many avoided tackles were there uh, how many pressures were there both created by your defense and allowed by your offensive line um, Lots of great stuff on here. I don't always agree with the gr- actual grades overall, and I tend to grade a, a freshman a bit mm-hmm. uh, on a scale almost, you know, as far as let, – let's let's talk about Deshaun Fenwick, man. I mean, this guy has <laughs> not played. Not, not he's only played a little bit. As far as this, this season, Deshaun Fenwick has been MIA, missing in action. We get asked about him on the message boards – Fair, fairly often, like what's going on with Deshaun Fenwick, most people that follow South Carolina football on Gamecock Central have just assumed, and it sounds like at one point, rightfully so, that Fenwick was going to just transfer after this year and be done with it because he's not sniffed the field. Um, he gets 33 snaps against um, Vanderbilt on Saturday night and absolutely makes the most of it. His, um, to me, I, I'm looking at his grades right now on PFF, I I know there were some plays left out there. Muschamp talked about it. The the running backs actually missed an opportunity to maybe have a massive day on the ground if you just make one more guy miss. Um, uh, To their credit, Vandy's safeties, I would say, did a good job of getting South Carolina's um, players down in space and sort of keeping it at a 10, 11, 12, 13-yard gain as opposed to a 50-yard gain. Give them credit for that. Yeah, there, there's some yards to be had, but dude, I I thought Deshaun Fenwick, as far as running to daylight, um, finding holes, getting north and south, um, running not necessarily where he's breaking a tackle, but falling forward through contact. Um, you know, just considering that, that we haven't even talked about this guy at all this year, as far as making an impact. I thought Fenwick stepped in and, and played very, very well. I'm, I'm not even going to say his grade on, on the show here, man, because his PFF grade was very, very low. But I, I thought the kid stepped in and, and played pretty well, just me personally. I, I get that there were a few yards left out there, but all things considered, um, the the running game, here's what here's to me what stands out. You brought in Deshaun Fenwick. Mind Denson had the early fumble. I guess he was in the doghouse the rest of the game. Um, Kevin Harris – so, you have Deshaun Finwick play 31 snaps. Kevin Harris play 20 snaps. Tavian Feaster, of course, we all know about what he's done all year long. He was himself. I thought it was a, you know, just typical Tavian Feaster day. Um, he's dealing with some injuries. Uh, dude, the running game didn't miss a beat. To me, that's a it huge did. compliment. Um, I think the one Fenwick missing out is the one
1: you said, the one Vice champ touched on is, you know, if you've got Dowdle or Feaster's healthier during the game or can play more snaps, you know, if he is healthy – you know, maybe you have a little bit more of an explosive, uh, you know, capability in the run game, you know, maybe, maybe you get a longer, maybe you do break off one of those mm-hmm. long touchdown runs. Um, cause certainly they had some one-on-one opportunities in the secondary, but I think you got to credit Kevin Harris for what he did. I mean, how about his, his catch on that pitch, you know, to go in there and, and, and bring the ball down that was behind him one handed yeah. and then go, you know, bully into the end zone was a heck of a play. Um, Fenwick did a really nice job in terms of getting past that first level. You know, that that's the first step. I mean, get past the first level, you know, make some cuts, get get into space, follow your blockers. SouthCon has done a good job in the run game, whether it's the pin and pull type stuff or whatever, you know, zone, whatever they may be running. They've been pretty good run blocking this season, getting a hat on a hat. And so I thought he showed some good patience and some some pretty good initial vision to get out into space. It was just that missing element of, you know and I thought the same thing live there were I know two plays off the top of my head I can think of where he was in space to where if he could have made one more guy miss um, he breaks some longer runs one of them may have been a touchdown to be frank if he could have gotten past the I think the safety who made the play but but it was it was a really good performance I mean um, still I mean he gets out into space he averages um, what was it 5.7 yards a carry I mean I thought it was a a good performance by Fenwick because again, like you, like you pointed out earlier, he hasn't played this. This isn't, this isn't even Mondenson stepping up and being the lead back, you know, like a guy who's played a, a lot mm-hmm. of football during his career and, and b a decent af- amount of football, even this season. This is a guy that's seen carries in three career games. You know, he's had 200 yard games out of those three games with the Chattanooga game last year. and Now this one, um, and, and were there some opportunities and one-on-ones that were left out there? Yeah. And I think that's been one element of his game that has, uh, that the coaching staff has been sort of harping on and trying to get him to be more consistent is finishing those plays in the open field. But I think you got to give him a lot of credit for making the plays that he did to get to the second level. He grinded out yardage. He ran through contact and, um, Will Muschamp was, was very frank and honest in the post-game press conference and, and talking about how Deshaun had, had come up and come to him and, and talked about transferring and had been frustrated and it was understandable why he was frustrated, but, um, you know, just in talking to him, got him to stick it out. And, you know, when his number was called, he was ready. And so I think that's a testament to Deshaun and to Thomas Brown and and to Will Muschamp for, you know, keeping those guys ready.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, as I said, Xavier
1: Leggett sort of
2: finally, you know, got, got to play a bunch. He he's played, All year long on special teams, he's played in spurts at wide receiver. I mean, uh, you know, this is obviously his most extensive playing time. But, dude, you look out there at times, uh, you know, Jay Urich is on the field. Bailey Hart is on the field at wide receiver. Um, South Carolina really getting, you know, sort of deep into their depth at receiver and at tight end, and they'll have to sort of continue to look at some things there. But, you know, I I thought Leggett did some good things. Man, obviously had his first career touchdown, had a couple other catches. I, I don't know if you caught this or noticed this, Chris, but on one of the late third downs, um, SouthCon ended up, I think, having to throw the football away. And they actually – the the play wasn't completed anyway, but they uh, they got called for an illegal formation because there was a motion and the guy didn't get back onto the line of scrimmage uh, like he needed to with a shift. And um, But Leggett actually broke free and was standing wide open in the back of the end zone like – with his hands going back and forth, like, throw the ball to me. Um, So I I guess it would have been negated anyway, but um, was definitely open for for what could have been his second career touchdown and second touchdown of the day. But, you know, I I think Muschamp, again, has has sort of been honest about Leggett when he talks about him. He sort of always um, gives the caveat, hey, remember, this guy was a quarterback. He's still learning the position. I think there are still some that, – that tells me there are still some sort of things as far as the intricacies of the position that he's definitely learning. But physical ability, man, you know, we've heard we've heard about this kid ever since, what, June? You know, when, when guys start arriving and the, mm-hmm. there starts being a little bit of a buzz about what guys are making plays. Uh, the, the buzz within the program has been positive about this kid for a long time. Um, you know, you and I talk a lot about sort of the future and stuff like that and looking ahead uh, – Xavier Leggett's going to have to play a bunch for the Gamecocks next year. And now I, I think with the the Josh Van injury, Shai Smith obviously banged up this past week. They hope to get him back this coming week, but we'll see on that. Hamstrings can be funky. You know, I, I think if, you know, if you have to hold Shai Smith out another week just to get him 100% for A&M and Clemson, then I think he'd probably do that. We'll see. But um, good opportunity for Xavier Leggett. I, I'd love to see, from a South Carolina perspective, I'd love to see them continue to find some ways to try to get this kid the ball and let him get more comfortable and just go play and and sort of learn on the job some of these intricacies
1: of that position. Yeah, and I, I, my thought, one thought that I've had throughout the season was is, you know, you go back and look at Xavier Leggett and, you know, he had the one catch against Kentucky. It was his first catch of his career. You know, on the surface, you may go, well, the guy needs to see the field more. Well, that that could certainly be argued, but he has played some snaps this year. You know, I mean, he's played in every game, mm-hmm. and he's uh, he's been on special teams, and he's actually seen a decent amount of, of snaps at receiver from you know from game one on. Um, but it just so happened that he got you know more opportunities in this game. And again, he he just he's a guy that is just very much learning, like you said, on the job. Um, he just didn't didn't have any experience. Um, And so his route tree, you know, he's still limited in some things that he can do there. Things that he knows how to do, rather. He can do all of them. I mean, he's got that type of Mm -hmm. ability. So he's still learning. Um, But I think you look at some things that he's done blocking. um, Obviously, he can catch the football. Um, He's got excellent hands. That's that's always something that he's shown, just natural ability, ability to run, ability to leap. And I remember, you know, you talked about this summer when we heard about him. And, you know, and then into the preseason, I remember – the first couple of things that we heard about Xavier was, you know, a great catch that he had in practice, you know, one hander in practice and then his ability going to cover kicks, just how fast he looked doing that. So this is a big kid um, with natural ball skills who can really run. And when, and when you see those things, if you could put them together from a mental standpoint, you have a chance to have a really, really good player. And so, Look, it takes time for some of these guys. Not all of them are finished products or completely ready to contribute, whether it's a mental or physical standpoint or both when they're true freshmen. And so, uh, he's been able to play some this year and his role was probably going to expand going forward, but he's got a chance to be a really, really good one.
2: Yeah. And I think to add to everything you just said, um, from everything I've heard, this is a kid that wants it too, that uh, wants to be great. And, um, has been, you know, has been through some personal personal tragedy in his life uh, that sort of drives him, and, and is the type of kid because of that that you have to pull for. So, um, yeah, I, I think this guy's got a bright future at South Carolina. Staff seems to love him. Uh, shoot, the fact the fact that, that with Shy Smith out, that he's the guy they chose to put back there as the kickoff returner this past week um, says about all you need to know about his sort of potential as a game breaker and a guy who can go make some plays. Um, we, we've talked for a long time, and we really have not. As much as this was a defensive battle, we haven't um, talked a ton about the defense. I'll, I'll admit, I you know I sort of go through when I rewatch the game. I watch all the offense, and I watch all the defense. Um, I'm still haven't quite got through my defensive rewatch. But um, Chris, what were your takeaways defensively? Obviously, you know, I mean, Vanderbilt was dealing with it from from a quarterback standpoint. You know, Mo Hassan had sort of given them a little bit of a boost, but then, you know, they don't have him for this game, still in concussion protocol. Uh, you know, uh, injuries are part of it, but that obviously affected their ability to move the football through the air. Um, but, but I, you know, I guess give credit to South Carolina's defense as well for not allowing big plays, uh, keeping the running game bottled up. And, uh, you know, it really, to me, what the defense was what allowed the offense to sort of have some of these little issues and it not – hurt them as far as being able to win the game because the defense, other than the first drive where they had some killer penalties, um, you know, they, they just kept, kept getting off the field.
1: They did. And I, I think again, Vanderbilt dealing with some difficult circumstances with sort of the musical chairs at quarterback, um, Kalijah Lipscomb did not play, um, again, another weird situation there as to why. And then, For some reason, they have not gotten the ball to Jared Pinkney this year. I mean, this guy athletically is one of the best tight ends in the country. I mean, he's an NFL-type player, and they just – I think they targeted him three times, and he even had a catch. I don't don't know that he had a catch. Um, I remember that he was targeted three times. um, But they just haven't gotten him the ball. It's been bizarre. Um, So, they haven't been very explosive or very good, really, on offense. And Keyshawn Vaughn's really been the lone bright spot. Um, he's been good ever since he transferred over to Vanderbilt. He's a player that, you know, gives you a lot of concern, you know, if you're a Gamecock fan or if you're on that coaching staff or as a player, you know what he can do. But he he just didn't do a whole lot. His longest run was 12 yards. Um, you look, he averaged 4.4 4 yards a carry, which he's averaged 5.2 this season. And then he's put up some, you know, even in the loss to UNLV, you know, he's 9.3 a carry. Um, he was six and a half against mm-hmm. LSU, went for 130 yards against Georgia, averaged 4.9, you know, had a 16 yard long. So his, his, you know, there's only been one other game and that was a win against Missouri actually, uh, where his, his long was only 12 yards or less. And, um, you know, if you look at the Missouri game, he only averaged 3.3 3 a carry. He got 96 yards, took him 29 carries. But the end of that game, when they had to, Move the chains and run out the clock. Keyshawn Vaughn got it done. So, obviously, a different game in this situation because Vanderbilt's playing from behind. But they just he just never could get anything mm-hmm. going with consistency. And I think South Carolina frustrated him. They they rattled him a little bit. I think um, just stopping him in the backfield, some hitting him, not not letting him get to that second level where he's so dangerous.
2: Yeah, dude. They, they, I mean, and this is a <laughs> this is a Vanderbilt offense that you know has really not been very good and it's just like you said has had some uh some weird shiz <laughs> going on i mean you t- i mean you got uh, that's that's the only way i know how to say it you got lipscomb who is supposedly healthy standing over there with a towel on his head um for what was uh, uh termed as personal reasons according to his head coach I, I don't know if you caught the the cole kubelik um post halftime little side interview where he had talked to Derek Mason and he asked Derek Mason you know is is your quarterback going to be back in this game and he basically said I don't know (laughs) Um, and which you know sometimes a coach doesn't know but um, he basically said talk to you'll have to ask my offensive coordinator that's up to him Mm -hmm. and it it was just you could tell Cole Kubelik sort of had just this this weird expression on his face and was sort of like, how you know, does that? How how has there not been communication here to where the head coach knows what's going on with his quarterback? Like it's not a, it's not a situation where you're talking about, you know, a, a third string special teams guy. The head coach doesn't like know what's going on. I mean, I I don't I don't know. Just the whole the whole Vanderbilt offense, like. Some, something ain't right it feels like but that's a that's a problem that south carolina fans will love to just let <laughs> vanderbilt have and deal with and to take you know take their win and move on if you're carolina um but uh it, there's something about getting to play vanderbilt that, <laughs> that helps you get right i think as a south carolina program this is is this that would be 11 in, a row. in yeah, a row that would be 11 i should know that yeah 11 in a row so um yeah, Gamecocks get the win. Uh, I guess uh, we, we've hit on about, I, I think, all the major topics for this game. As I said, later on this week, we'll uh, we'll be in studio, 107.5, Pearson Fowler. We'll do that that show and we'll talk more big picture and preview App State as well. But um, Chris, you want to tell everybody about Yeah, Terry Bishop, former
1: Gamecock quarterback, still a huge supporter of the program and 36 years of experience in the real estate business. So, uh, if you're looking to buy a home, if you're looking to sell your home, or if you want to invest in some real estate in the greater Columbia area, make sure you call Terry Bishop, his wife, Becky Bishop, of the Bishop Real Estate Group, facebook.com slash the Terry Bishop team or 803-665-1442. We appreciate his support of all our football content, including our podcast this year. also want to thank Slotsky's Deli. Enjoyed a wonderful tailgating tray from Slotsky's
2: Deli before the game on Saturday and you can as well for absolutely free if you win our pick'em contest, which is posted on the Insiders Forum and Fighting Gamecocks Forum every single week. You can win a uh, huge tailgating tray, um, all you know includes everything you need: your sandwiches, your chips, um, plates, silverware, stuff like that. Um, love the Slotsky's Deli hookup that we get from those guys, and want for you to be able to enjoy it as well. Um, we'll sort of close it out here. Um, by, by the way, we haven't done enough uh, questions on the board for the podcast, so if you want to throw some questions at us for Wednesday's podcast, we'll talk some big-picture stuff. Um, I'll start a thread for that if anybody wants to. their questions to be answered on the podcast. Uh, Chris,
1: any any final thoughts? Any well, I thoughts? think for South Carolina, I mean, look, for all the talk about what went white, right, what went wrong in this game, they won the football game. Um, they did lose a couple players that – you know, the, the Muse one really hurt because, you know, that hurts your ability going forward to play 12 personnel. They're probably going to have to do a little bit less of that. They did play Chandler Farrell a lot. Keyshawn Tony will see some action. Trey Kenyon can get in there, mm-hmm. even though he'll be behind the curve from a mental standpoint. But, um, you know, it, it's that was a tough loss because um, he did some nice things blocking and, and obviously could catch football at 17 catches this season. Um, but I think the biggest takeaway is you get a win and now you're – at some other spots, even though you had two defections that are key there, especially with Muse and Josh Van going down, you're getting some guys back. You know, Rico Dowdle coming back, Dylan Wanham coming mm-hmm. back, you know, whether it's Damani Staley and Jamar Brown also. Um, you know, you're getting some some guys who are key, key players for you. And uh, Rico Dowdle obviously had a real good year before he went down. Dylan Wanham, we know what he can do at right tackle. It helps solidify things over there. I think it's going to be key for this stretch run. And so it comes at a really good time for South Carolina. And they really need to go try to win these next two, you know, to go make a bowl game. I think is very important for them. Absolutely. I'm I'm glad you brought that up. I I
2: should have mentioned the injuries a little bit more early on, but uh, like you said, they get Rico back. Uh, Dylan Wanham, I've I've made it clear in the podcast. I think they've missed him a ton. So um, hopefully that'll Help solidify that side of the line. I think if you're looking at it, uh, that it definitely will. For Chris Clark, I'm Wes Mitchell. This has been our no huddle edition of another Carolina podcast. We'll see you on Wednesday.
0: Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino online.
2: I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true.
0: Chumba Casino was America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper?